0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're here with our second ever episode of the Collect Cash Podcast. And I'm flattered here. I have a, a guest that I've been talking to for a really long time. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, we have Ryan Giffen in the house.
1: Thanks for having me, Cody.
0: Uh, Ryan, I've known you for about two years now. And you know, I've always wanted to just sit down and talk with you and pick at your brain. And uh, yet we get opportunity here today to do that. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, give us a quick intro of yourself. I know that you, you're about 32, you live in South Florida, and you know, you're invested in you know, stock market, real estate, crypto, all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my name's is Ryan. Um, I am, you're 32, you're right here in South Florida. Uh, I've been into investing ever since I had a little bit more money than I could to pay my bills. I knew I had to do something with it. Uh, a lot of my investing DNA comes from coming out of the, the financial crisis which I was in college in you know 2008 to 2011 pretty much the worst of it when the sky was falling and uh, I just had this reaction to say like I really should understand how this money game works because a lot of people are getting destroyed <laughs> and uh and a lot of my my ethos into investing is a lot of to deal with like moving away from that pain which which I've talked about a few times on the channel but um so so everyone may have like everyone may have a little bit different investing reason why they're into it or that but so for me it was a very pain driven thing and and I've
0: picked out a number of asset classes that I like and so far it's uh it's worked out pretty well so Ryan, did like your family get you into stock market investing like did they kind of teach you the ropes or was this something that you took the initiative to learn
1: uh no, no, I'm now getting my family to invest into the market <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they did not invest in the markets, but they've been following my moves and they're they're pretty big fans of it now um my my grandfather though was uh big into investing in real estate so coming out of the financial crisis like i was kind of first wanted to get into like i was kind of scared of the stock market too i, I kind of started following people like peter schiff and not like the, the best um eyes on the market in my opinion and then uh i, I my grandfather who came from cuba during the communist revolution in 1960 came here in, in his like early 40s with like you know, just pennies in his pocket and then retired in 10 to 15 years around there doing real estate investing. So I was like, this is what I should be doing with my money. <laughs> so um, so once I could save up a decent enough chunk to get a down payment, I bought another home and then bought another home. And uh, that was uh, outside of gold and silver and some other investments into like retirement funds. That was my you know, first major investment.
0: So would you say you started investing around the age of like 22, right? When you were done with college, right? When the, you know, the 08 recession was coming to an end or.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I kind of took the detour in college. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I kind of hung around. So it was probably a little bit later than that, maybe more like 23, 24. I, you know, I started in a selling for a company now that I have a, have some ownership in and I've built other companies with uh, my partner there. and um, and when we rolled out uh, a a way for employees to invest into the 401k with a match i mean that sounds like a no brainer and still there's employees in the company that do not take advantage of free money uh, which is, it's insane to me but <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you uh do you ever like actually have conversations with those people about like why they're not uh you know getting that full match or is that kind of uh go against what you can do as an employer
1: <laughs> uh I am. I evangelize everyone into investing. It's very hard to sit around with me and not end up talking about investing. <laughs> I feel. I feel like I can be kind of exhausting, or, you know, I kind of want to get find other things to really be passionate about. But, you know, once you get that investing bug in you, and you, know, you have such a strong goal for financial freedom, which is essentially what it's all about for me, it's uh, it it lives inside of me every day.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I've seen your portfolio just continue to go up and up over these past couple of years. So I know you, I think at one point you used to have Robinhood um, and now you're on Webull. And uh, can you talk about some of what your best and worst stock investments were?
1: Uh, I'm I'm unfortunately pretty uh, still a lot into Robinhood. And a lot of that was because I wanted to be on it for probably a lot of the reasons you were on it. One, it has a great user interface and it's very beginner friendly. So one, when I was kind of beginning, it was very useful. And then also having a channel, it attracted the the, the people that would be interested in my channel, newer investors. And uh, also, I mean, the Robinhood portfolio, I last year when everything bottomed, you know, I was putting like everything I really could, even though like my business was down, I wasn't making any money. But like whatever I could put over there, you know, and I got like $5,000. Extra to Ethereum at like $161. And that's turned into $120,000 now in that oh account. My gosh. So, so I can't even, and, it, and with Bitcoin Cash, so I bought like, yeah, I put a lot more in that recently. Um, but like, so just that portfolio that today hit $325,000 in just that account. Um, wow. I also have, I, it's insane the, the <laughs> amount of returns. It, it's appreciated by over $225,000 since I started it. um okay.
0: You were just dominating the market, Ryan,
1: giving well, us that well, knowledge. <laughs> so, so, but to answer your question, Ethereum has definitely been my best uh, returned asset. Mm-hmm. Um, Tesla, I definitely uh, did very well on. I, I was in that crowd before, you know, when, when people still kind of hated it, you know? Right.
0: Everybody on CNBC, but now, now these days, everybody on CNBC claims that they were with them <laughs> since day one.
1: <laughs> and, and now the stock is uh, going to go sideways for five years, probably. Yeah. Um and and that's and that's so those two were kind of my best and I learned a lot about investing into like the emotions um really in the first crypto run. You know, I, I made a lot of mistakes and and a lot of people took that away and like they abandoned the asset after like it pumped up and then went down. And um and that, that to me it was like wow, like I can't wait to the next cycle. Like when it was over and I had to wait all those years to be able to get into cryptos like that. Um, so so while crypto was probably in my learning curve, was my worst investment, but by far now it's... Um, and also I have a Voyager portfolio that's, um, that's done extremely well where you can buy some smaller projects. Uh, I use Merrill Edge and Fidelity as well.
0: Okay, so you're just like all over the place on different brokerages and you'd like to try them out?
1: Well, there's different ones that serve different things. Yeah. Uh, so like Merrill Edge, I use my, my tax sheltered accounts, my IRAs, all that. And I just buy ETFs in them. Uh, and then Fidelity, I, I'll, I'll probably end up moving a lot of funds over there
0: mm-hmm.
1: after this crypto bull cycle because I'm kind of stuck in my crypto in uh, Robinhood because you don't really own it and you have to sell it to realize the gains. Right. And I don't want to do that until you know I, I have a thesis of the market going. You know, probably seven, eight trillion at the top, and I, 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 we may jump into reasons why the crypto market is pr- is pretty easy to understand what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. It just does the same thing over and over again every four years. Um, but I, I have, I have my, my entry strategy and I have my exit strategy. So, but I'll, I'll use more fidelity. Uh, I own some OTC stocks over there that are harder to get on other platforms. So that's useful for that. Uh, but that's the reason I use those portfolios. My Webull one, I only really used to, um, they had that really attractive sign up bonus for YouTube. Right. One of my videos went like viral, got like, somewhat viral, viral for me. I got like 20,000 views. I was yeah. making like six, 700 bucks a month from people just watching this tutorial on how to get free stocks. Wow. Hey,
0: it's, it pays for itself right there. <laughs> yeah. And Ryan, what did you say that your uh, worst investment ever was? It was,
1: it was crypto. I, um, I got so frustrated with, um, you know, investing into like commodities and, and things were poor investments. And, you know, I eventually took the red pill on crypto. I was like, this makes sense. And even though I'm buying at these ridiculously high prices, I, uh, like I'm I'm willing to ride the wave for many years, but what I actually ended up doing, I ended up being, losing so much money where I sold it for the loss and and tax sheltered, you know, took the 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 loss and I waited the amount of time and I bought back at like the bottom. And then it's worked out pretty well. So I got a tax break and then so that's been my worst investment. Was crypto my best investment in crypto.
0: (laughs) Yeah I guess uh, (laughs) I guess for most investors when they when they even just hear cryptocurrency, they're really just thinking about like Bitcoin and now Ethereum. And I'm sure that you've you're involved in like several different Uh, cryptocurrencies other than those two maybe mainstream ones um i I try to keep it tight yeah
1: Uh, i i I think uh even with you you could probably relate when your portfolio gets too big it becomes a little bit more difficult to manage unless you have specific strategies for certain things Mm -hmm. um but uh i I own probably about seven or eight coins and uh so, so, I mean, that sounds like a lot, but some people own 20. I mean, there's over 8,000 coins out there to pick from. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I'm sticking with um, uh, coins. But mainly of those seven or eight, like 90% are in three of them of, okay, of the gotcha. capital. Yeah. And then the, the other ones are 10% spread into some smaller plays just to mess around with.
0: And, and Dogecoin is the the largest holding, right? <laughs>
1: Man, I can't get into that. And I, I and I I sound so wrong because I have been talking against it for so long. And um, but you know, it's it's so fascinating that people are not investing in anything or their first crypto they pick is a meme point and <laughs> it just really and they they think they're investors and it's and they get mad at you when you when you like I I tell people like I'm so happy you made money with it, you should take some of those profits and put it into something like you know, blue chip, you know.
0: You know, uh, you know how I know like anybody's literally getting into it, Ryan. Is that you know the people that like I went to high school with that aren't doing much with their lives? They're the ones that they never talk about any like investing related stuff on like Facebook or social media. But lately, they've just been typing like Dogecoin to one dollar. You know, exclamation <laughs> mark! I'm like, wow. When these guys are talking about it, that's how you that's how you know to sell.
1: <laughs> but cody it's actually like a 70 billion dollar asset now
0: it's, crazy. it's
1: worth more than ford and twitter combined like like really you know like like great companies of, you know it's it's insane what humans can do in terms of uh, i i can't wrap my head around it. i know elon musk has a lot to do with it and he's just having fun with it in terms of um, joking and he goes on did you watch in the snl with with him on there I saw a
0: few clips of it. Yeah. His like opening and.
1: So, so obviously it was by the rumor, sell the news with SNL, right? The, yeah. The thing was pumping up to like 75 cents. And then he says that joke about how it's a hustle. And then it goes all the way down to 45 cents. And people are literally tweeting. at him like, I lost everything because of you. So like,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <okay. laughs>
1: It's like no no that's why we put every disclaimer in every video we make this is right. not investing do your own research because it, like if you really think he's going to go out there on SNL a joke show and right. then say how he's like converted all his assets to it and now Tesla only accepts dogecoin like right. man
0: like it just really makes me down on humanity it's funny cuz like they could have just put that money in like an index fund or something and gotten great returns over you know the bulk of their life but they got to get that get rich scheme in there. Have you seen Ryan uh, Andre Geek? He did uh, like an interview with a person who made over a million dollars with Dogecoin. Uh, he basically was not an investor, I think, prior to that, and like overnight, he became a millionaire. Now he's on a couple different, you know, financial channels.
1: I, I see the thumbnail in my head, but I got to tell you, I've avoided the Doge thing, like like the play. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh,
0: the big takeaway there was that like, he was with Andre and he was with Graham. I think, I think he made a million and then he doubled that to like two million the next day. And then Andre and Graham were like, dude, you just got to sell this. Like you've, you've already like won the system here. You've like hit the lottery, just sell it, move on with life. You can, you can buy a Tesla. You, I think he lived in like a really small single studio. They're like, dude, you can buy whatever you want now. And I think he held on to it. And uh, I don't know. He's probably lost some money now. I don't know if he sold it, but I don't know. I guess it's kind of that emotion thing you were talking about when you have when you've made so much money, you kind of get greedy. You're like, okay, now that I made two million, can I make three million? Like, rather than just pull it out, take your profits.
1: Yeah, I, I have friends that have that, that have both both their crypto portfolios are you know really good returns. They had more money than me going into it, but they're both sitting about you know two point five to three million and crypto and uh and we keep on talking about like when is the time to take profit and i haven't taken any profit either so take that for what it's worth i only have you know in relation to about two hundred thousand or so into crypto right now um but you know but i turned like thirty thousand into that so it's still like an amazing return within like a year and a half and uh but like there's there's really but like you have to have a reason to believe and strong conviction, it's going to go much higher and not take any profit yet and you, and, and understand the risk versus reward. In Dogecoin, I just, I don't understand the, the like the upside is, it, it, like someone really has to do something with it to give it utility. And, and I'm not sure, I, I know you recently bought into crypto too and how you value these assets and justify their market caps, uh, whether it's a trillion dollar Bitcoin or $350 billion Ethereum, like there has to be a thesis to say this deserves this much market share.
0: Right.
1: And, uh, and to, for me, that's very difficult to do with Doge at 70 billion.
0: Yeah. And you know, Ryan, that's the thing too, is that I feel like every day there's just a new cryptocurrency coming out and I'm like, uh, you know, what's the difference between this and the elder one? And, uh, yeah, so I bought in to Coinbase, or I'm in, I'm on the Coinbase app now, so I was able to buy for the first time. I bought into Bitcoin, and then I bought into Ethereum, which I feel like are the two more mainstream ones that most people have now heard about. So today was actually the first day that Ethereum cracked over $4,000. So do you think it's going to kind of ride that same trend as Bitcoin? Uh,
1: absolutely, and it has... A couple of large events coming up for it
0: and probably a lot
1: of the price is getting kicked into there um they're gonna change the um they're gonna they're gonna change the way the system operates from being a proof of work to proof of stake which pretty much means that you know where proof of work is when everyone talks about cryptocurrency taking up all this energy because all these computers are competing to solve these, all these algorithms and it literally uses like more energy than all of argentina for to you know secure the bitcoin network or proof of stake just people you know, commit their money to it and he uses like 99% less energy so anyways they're gonna like have to burn a bunch of coins to do this and like it's gonna be like a massive takeover um to, to rewrite the system so that's like gonna be the most euphoric moment of the ethereum run and then the thing's gonna crash by 90% um, yeah. and so and bitcoin will probably fall about by about 75-80% from its top and all i and, and let me kind of preface that a little bit so how did that, like? Where where am I picking my my sell targets and where did I pick my buy targets? So when you buy Bitcoin, you really want to look at or the, any cryptocurrency, you want to look at relationship to the having cycle. So Bitcoin has its mineable supply every four years. The next event will be in 2024. The best chance for you to retire in 2026 is to go all in in cryptocurrency in 2024. In my opinion, And this is just what happens. So even if demand just stays constant in Bitcoin. When the mineable supply halves, the price just goes parabolic because Satoshi Nakamoto wrote this into the code. And I think it was almost genius. They created a mania, created so many overnight millionaires, rather than just letting the, the, the currency slowly get inflated by 1% a day. You, would, you wouldn't have like this all of a sudden mania of the price going up and people chasing it and over-romanticizing the investment and making it way overvalued than what it should be at that current time. So yeah. it's part of the genius yeah. and the coding of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. That's just crazy. You know, like they say that like the, right, there's a max of 21 million Bitcoin. I think the last one, the Bitcoin that can be mined comes out like in the year 2100s. Uh, so does Ethereum, does, does it follow that same scarcity principle? Like is there only X amount of Ethereum out there that will always be out there?
1: No, no. Um, it's, it's very different. And people criticize Ethereum for uh, being almost centralized in the way to, because there could be more, there could be less. They're changing the code, they're, they're doing this, and it has a very um, prominent figurehead, Vitalik Buterin. So it's almost like what makes Bitcoin beautiful, or I'm a big fan of Bitcoin Cash, we'll probably touch on that, but it, I will say this is beautiful of, about Bitcoin. There is no central point of attack. There is no one to go after, to throw in a cage, to to to, to shut it down. To it, It's very difficult. There's no one person behind it where Ethereum kind of has that. They have a a genius mind behind it that, that created something very unique in terms of smart contracts. and, and But what, for me, what makes it decentralized in a way, though, is so much good talent is always building something on it. you know And unfortunately, uh, in cryptocurrency, one of the biggest innovations for Ethereum was the ERC-20 token, where you could launch new cryptos off of it. It became much easier to create other projects. Um, and, uh, and there's some people joke, Ethereum's a great Ponzi scheme to launch other Ponzi screens. Obviously. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, there's a little bit of truth to that because a lot of crypto is uh vaporware and uh not going anywhere
0: so it really does seem like ethereum like you can actually make it part of a programming language uh, it could be used in smart contracts, and like you were talking about, you know different applications can actually be built around it it's not It's kind of like you know people. One of the critiques people have of gold is that you know it's not really useful for anything. I I mean, it's it's nice and shiny to look at and to touch, but like you know you can't power your car with gold, as far as I know. So, is that kind of what allures you think investors into Ethereum? Is that it has all these possible uses that we haven't even touched the surface on yet?
1: That and and the talents there, you know. And and when people don't take crypto seriously, and they they see now it's a two trillion dollar asset, but like. There's so much intellectual capital that is in the cryptocurrency market, and so much of it is in Ethereum that is, is building the future world. And the biggest issue has been the scaling issue. You know, that's why, for me, Ethereum is over, overvalued right now. It, is not worth, it does not deserve a higher market value than PayPal, in my opinion. The fees are way too high, uh, and hopefully the rewriting of the software works and we can do something great in a decentralized way in terms of exchanging value or exchanging contracts with another. Um, but this is, this is what happens in crypto cycles. It, we, we become massively overvalued. Um, but the, the thing, you can't just, in terms of the stock market, you probably relate. You can't really, you have to find a way to know how overvalued an asset become. Like how, can, how long can you hold it past uh, the, the trend line. And what I mean by that is should say on, on my channel, I, I use something called the Trollo chart that I, I look at the volatility in the crypto market and I draw a line right through it. And I say, this is the median value and it kind of goes up and to the right smoothly, but it makes lows against the trend. Then we make highs above the trend. And that's where I make my decisions right now. Like in the, in the last cycle, we went uh, seven, sorry, 1500% past the trend line. And the previous cycle of that, we went 2,500% past the trend line. So this time I'm saying we're modestly going to go 700% past the trend line, which makes it a $7 trillion market. And by that time, I will have very little crypto.
0: So Ryan, uh, I'm sure you've heard of this. There's always this infamous story of uh, Microsoft during the dot-com bubble. Uh, From 1999 to 2016, Microsoft in 1999 reached an all-time high, and then it would be 17 years before it ever reached that all-time high again. So do you think those highs and lows between those trend lines, you think it will ever take 17 years or you think it will probably be a lot shorter than that?
1: It'll be four years.
0: Four years. It,
1: all in relationship to the Bitcoin having cycle. It's a rather, and look, this is not financial advice, taking another the grain of salt, do your own research, all that stuff. But this is what it does. This is what it's done over and over again in relationship to the, the halving cycle. So I don't think you'll have to wait that long and I think what made that unique in terms of Microsoft, uh, it had two things going for it. One, it was massively overvalued in, in the dot-com bubble, but then it also was followed by a, a 10-year stock market, bear market, and a commodity bull market. So, again, one of my other big things that I you know, use as an investment tool is the inverse relationship between stocks and commodities. Right? And if you look at throughout history, stocks tend to run on these bull runs for 20-plus years. And then they get interrupted by a 10-year um, commodity cycle. And it's it's very healthy. you know. When, it, when commodities are, are very cheap, which they're relatively cheap right now, and I think they need to get cheaper, um, is that it, le- it leaves more speculative money for investors to not have to spend things into commodities to, to operate the economy, but they can actually speculate with it. And you get these industries that blow up like dot-com bubbles and crypto markets and Right now, it's, it's prime for crypto and stocks, in my opinion.
0: You no, know, Ryan, I think, I'm, I think I'm following you on that every four years of like a boom or bust cycle because for me, the first time I ever heard of cryptocurrency was uh, when I was a senior in college. That would have been about uh, 2017. Uh, that was probably the first time a lot of people actually had ever heard of Bitcoin because it had went from like $3,000 to $20,000 within a span of a few weeks. And then it, it, it just absolutely tanked. And it didn't do so hot for X amount of years, and then I feel like right when C nineteen started, that's when it started rising again. And then as of today, I think it's at like fifty seven thousand dollars. So that was personally the first time I had ever heard of cryptocurrency. I was kind of wondering when was the first time you had heard of it, and were you was this something that you were instantly hooked on, or was it something that you had to kind of you know sit down and really process what you're looking at here?
1: Uh, First time I heard about cryptocurrency was in two thousand probably 2012 2011 2012 right around there i was in college and the kid that sat next to me used to use the silk road to buy like hallucinogenic drugs And, (laughs) and that's the first time i heard about it and then i was also i used to listen to like different libertarian shows and you know ron paul was running for president at the time so that you know that was just a thing on college campus and um and i liked it didn't really understand how to buy it at the time it wasn't as easy as now there wasn't these big brokerages, like like early investors, like literally had to call someone up and like, wire some money and get this key address. Like the whole infrastructure wasn't quite ready. And, and me as a young kid not really knowing to invest, I'm I, I not having much money to invest. So I wasn't that interested. But then in 2013, when the bull market happened, when it went from like nothing to a thousand, again, following that four-year trend, 2013, 2017, 2021, next one will be 2025. And it's all in relationship to when Bitcoin has. So Bitcoin had last year as mineable supply, and then it ran. But I heard about it then, and I unfortunately did not get, gather up the courage to really buy it until I think, I think the first crypto I did buy was Ethereum, in sometime in early 2017. Uh, I listened to Peter Schiff for years because I, I liked his economic mind and just the overall economy. Like he wrote a great book called. Uh, how an economy grows and why it, why it crashes. It's a fantastic book. It really explains the economic system in a very organic, primal, simple way. And, uh, and it really helped me understand the world. Uh, but he is still not interested in investing in crypto, even though he's watched it go from nothing to 60,000. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Peter Schiff, but he's like the loudest person against it and like trolls people on, on Twitter about it. You know, Peter?
0: Yeah, I've used to watch his videos when he would like be interviewing people in New York during that like Occupy Wall Street protest. I've seen a few of his interviews. I think right now he lives in like Puerto Rico to avoid paying like certain taxes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Puerto yeah. Rico's great. You don't have to pay any income, uh sorry, any capital gains tax and only a four percent corporate tax.
0: And and it's like beautiful weather year-round, I assume. <laughs>
1: I haven't been, but uh, uh, I'm thinking about it.
0: <laughs> okay, so Peter, Peter's not the only one that's been a bear about crypto. So if you remember, I think right before C19 happened, I put out a video. It's still up on my channel, and it was talking about why I thought Bitcoin was a uh, basically a pyramid scheme, Ponzi scheme. And I think you know the reason why I kept that video on there is to prove that you know people's opinions they change from time to time if you constantly always have the same opinion and you're not willing to learn and you're not willing to change your opinion based on new information you gather you're not really growing as a person you're not really growing as an investor so you know i i, I still have that video up i still think i brought up some valid points in that video but one of the bigger points that i talked about in that video that i no longer feel is valid anymore and this is a big Reason why people don't like cryptocurrency is they thought basically that the U.S. government at any time could say, "Hey, (laughs) cryptocurrency is illegal now." Price of Bitcoin falls to zero. Now, the reason why I think that that will no longer happen is because you know there's three countries, right? Russia, China, United States. If the United States bans (laughs) cryptocurrency, Russia and China are going to be like, "Hey, come on over here, investors. We will allow cryptocurrency. Bring your money into our countries." So do you feel the same way? And I'm sure you have other reasons to why the U.S. government probably is not going to be banning cryptocurrency.
1: Yeah, I made a whole video about that. And uh, definitely part of that, that's a big part of it. Um, And the United States has been relatively friendly towards it. And what I talked about earlier is, earlier, there's, there's a lot of intellectual capital in this industry. So if you want to push out all these really smart people that are going to build some of the innovative things that are going to operate the economy in the future, you don't want to kick those people out. You know, the United States is so powerful because we almost do brain drain on other nations. We take their best talent. So like anyone in the Caribbean or South America, anyone that wants a better life and give their best to this economy, we're very attractive of that. And we, we pull in the most talented people and we have places like Silicon Valley that bloom the, the, the tech revolution. And, uh, absolutely. So that would be a, that would be uncompetitive on, on the global scale and, and could, um, hinder your hegemonic power in the world for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then also like if you want to shut it down, like it's also a a very big task and you have to cooperate with all these countries because what keeps Bitcoin or in these proof of work concepts going is that you have miners all over the world running a node. So it's just an open software. And as long as there's one computer keeping it open, then you can't shut it down. There's not, again, there's over 10,000 nodes on the Bitcoin network. So that's, the, and they're all over the world. So you're going to go to 10,000 places and sh- and shut them all down. Another one's going to pop up here. It's nearly impossible.
0: I mean, it's kind of like the same argument against like, okay, let's ban drugs. Let's ban guns, right? You're, there's just so much of it going around. You're never really going to ban all that. I feel like, you know. Yeah,
1: I use that, I use that as an analogy. It's like, and even like in, during the 1930s, they made owning gold illegal. Like they they really did that. And, and but some people still owned it, but not for the, the Federal Reserve, issue, Reserve right? <laughs> yeah, there was the Gold Compensation Act of 1933 by uh, by Roosevelt, and gold was not actually legal to own until 19s after after they de-linked the dollar from gold. Because the reason they they wanted to peg uh, they wanted to take everyone's gold is to get rid of the free market in it. And this way, you could almost have a gold standard, but lie about it. So they said. One ounce of gold is worth $25 and they price fixed it. So There was no market. The market wasn't pricing it. It was just the government said this. And then after they delinked the dollar from gold, it went from $25 all the way up to 800 in just like a couple of years because how badly they mispriced it by price fixing it.
0: Yeah. That's another part about crypto that I really like is that it's, you know, it's decentralized finance. So it's removing that power that governments have had for so long and, you know, we talk, we talk about all the corruption that happens here in the United States of America. You know, think about other countries that are going through like massive inflation. You have, you know, Venezuela today where the currency is basically useless. Uh, there's been parts of Africa that have widespread inflation. Having an asset like crypto where, you know, a government, perhaps it's a dictator government that's in charge. They can't just, you know, inflate the money and make peop- uh, people's livelihood basically worthless. Uh, I think that's a big reason why a lot of people are bullish on cryptocurrency is that it's really giving power back to the people.
1: Yeah. And, and when you explain it that way, it's like so humanitarian, because the other argument you'll hear is that like, you know, kidnappers and, or sorry, uh, drug dealers. And, and what, what did uh, Charlie Munger say during, I can't remember, he's money launderers and he, he didn't promote a, a, a currency or something like that, that could make it so easy. And uh, I put up a, uh, a thing on Twitter. And I thought it was pretty funny because the last time they talked about crypto during the bull market, Warren Buffett said Bitcoin was rat poison. And <laughs> there's this funny meme going around the internet now where it says Bitcoin is rat poison, Warren Buffett. And then below it has pictures of rats with all bank logos on it
0: yeah. that, that, he <laughs> own,
1: that he owns. And, and I just commented like, yeah, Bitcoin is rat poison, but the rats are the, are, but the, the, rats are the banks that Warren Buffett owns.
0: Right. Yeah. Buffett loves those big banks. But yeah. And you know, what? I think what else what else you added in that post was uh, you pointed out that Berkshire Hathaway has actually uh, trailed the market for like the last 20 years, which a lot of people, they never mentioned that part about uh, Berkshire Hathaway.
1: And I, and I like Buffett and I think he means he's done a lot of good and, and you know, I can pick out those 20 years where he's underperformed. And you can really say it's because he's really not paid attention to tech and tech yeah. has just dominated for 20 years right and uh but oh, since 1960 he's he's crushed the market so uh, he definitely deserves his respect but he also anyone you should be able to criticize and uh, an asset class that i like so much i'll, I'll i don't like hate Buffett per se but uh, i don't you don't want to just blindly follow everyone you know
0: right yeah you know even like he owns such a substantial part of apple but he got into Amazon really late. I don't think he ever got into Google. Like he, like you said, he missed out on a lot of these tech companies. And yeah, he really is in love with the banks. Uh, and you know, another investor that's getting a lot of flack right now because her her fund isn't doing that hot after a you know super hot 2020 is Kathy Wood. You know my arc <laughs> shares are down pretty heavy right now and a lot of people it's amazing you know do you just go into the comment sections people are like you know we hate you kathy like you stole our money uh, <laughs> like, oh
1: my god! that's what
0: i just don't understand you know i have maybe i think arc makes up about like two to three percent of my portfolio so even if kathy does great next year you know or great or bad next year it's not gonna impact my portfolio that much but i think some people they're just like hey let's give all my money to Kathy, let her do whatever she wants. And I'm only expecting good things to happen. And now we're in here in 2021, spring of 2021, ARK, ARK is actually trailing the market. I think they actually have a negative return, even though the market is, is up like 7%. So what, what are your thoughts on Kathy? And obviously she had a great 2020, but you got to back it up now with
1: 2021. So I, I think people should look at her as a legendary investor, because I think she is. And they should go look at another legendary investor, uh, Peter Lynch and the Magellan Fund. So I'll tell a quick story here. Peter Lynch returned 39% annually for, I think it was a good, maybe 15-year run of the Magellan Fund. He got that return. But guess what? His investors only made about 7 8% because most people are bad investors. When they, see, when they saw him underperforming, they pulled out. And when they saw him doing really well, they bought. And, uh, and if everyone just realized, like, investing is just the inverse of that, <laughs> that uh, today's winners are not going to be necessarily tomorrow's winners. And today's losers could be tomorrow's winners. So I think, uh, I think the, most people are just bad investors. Uh, I actually, today, actually, I, I, in, my, in my retirement fund, I bought some RK. I think it could, it's going to go down to about in the, in the 80s. I could see that happening. I see yeah. some resistance in the low 90s and again at 83 uh, I'm just waiting to acquire more. You know, I, it depends on what your investing horizon is. And how, like in my Robinhood portfolio, I have over a 205% return that, you know, in one year. So I'm asking myself, how can I get anywhere near these good kind of returns next year? It, it's not by chasing what's hot right now. It's, right. it's about finding, you know, what is not loved, what is overlooked. So I'm, I'm even going into SPACs right now because they're getting so beat up and I just want, I want to see it go lower. So I think, um, I think if people think there's these comments, these people in the comment section, I doubt have anywhere than an amount of elect- intellectual capacity. of <laughs> Kathy Woods is very intelligent.
0: You know what, you know what also surprises me too, and this could be the hot and cold cycles of the market is that, you know, in January sentiment toward Kathy Woods was probably at like all time high everybody loved her. But, you know, four months later, now all of a sudden, Kathy is a total idiot and people hate her. Like, (laughs) if you think about it, not much has really changed in four months, right? Like their largest holding is still Tesla. Tesla is still a great company, right? Just the market just doesn't love it as much as it did a few months ago. You know, companies, they don't drastically change in just four months. And, you know, stock prices in the short term, they don't make sense. But in the long run, they will eventually start to show their true value. So, you know, Kathy and ARK might be down today, but, it also if you, if you average even the two years, right. So I, I'm not sure what ARK's return last year was, let's say it was like a, you know, 80% or something and it's 0% this year. If you take the average of those two years, that's still 40%, which is, <laughs> you know, that destroys the market returns. So I, th- I, th- I think it was a little ludicrous that people would think that Kathy and ARK would be able to keep up that staggering pace of being in the top 1% in total ETF returns, uh, every single year that that's just, not even the greatest investors can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, you, you have to, you know, I don't expect her to become completely contrarian in her fund to chase every year. And, and, and for some reason, dump all of her, you know, uh, you know, what, what innovative, investments and then going into consumer non-cyclical because that would do better now. Like I don't see Kathy dumping Tesla for Procter and Gamble. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> she's playing a five-year trend, 10-year trend, if you will. And, uh, and 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 she's still putting out these huge numbers for Tesla. And, and I do think Tesla will, for example, being her largest holding, I'm using this as an example, but like it, 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 it probably will do really well over five years, but it may do nothing for the next four. Like it, it has so much, Future price into it, um, that that needs to the you know the market will price it, but but eventually you have to ask yourself what is the future going to look like, and, and and is Tesla a large player in that? And I'm just using that as an example because uh, she has a lot of different holdings. But yeah, um, I, I I think people uh, people just need to look at investing and try to you know when you're euphoric, you know, probably ta- especially in growth investing. Like I know you do a lot of dividend investing and you've been getting more into growth, but like it's good to shave a little off the top when things just run a little silly, yeah. Um, and then put those into something else that is either really hated or something that is a little bit more stable, like a dividend growth company. In my in my opinion, just, just doing this for a little while. Um, and, and growth investing is just a different animal. It's gonna you're not gonna get the large swings up if you're not getting the large swings down. It's, the market doesn't work that way. Right. Volatility is where, where the opportunity is.
0: Oh, I mean, people say that like you can't get rich off dividend stocks and that's so far from the truth. Like I've bought like into Honeywell, me and you both own applied materials. Those stocks have just been tearing up the market. Uh, Disney even, uh, I know they recently stopped paying a dividend, but Disney has been doing really great this past year. There's some, of, A lot of these blue chip companies, like people always think you need to reinvent the wheel. You can get great results with these large blue chip companies that also pay dividends. Uh, It's best of both worlds, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's funny. I I mentioned actually, I bought Procter Gamble for the first time today. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it was. It it was. It's a little bit down from where it peaked in the pandemic, and I've always wanted to get it. Uh, And I really want to build out like a nice dividend portfolio. And I feel like that's that's just like a staple for any great dividend portfolio.
0: It, it's really hard to go to like Walmart and not see a Procter Gamble product. Like even if it <laughs> yeah. doesn't explicitly say it, like if you look on the fine print, it'll have the little PG logo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I
1: think if you you know if you look at the market and you look at how many tools it gives you, and, and, and just try to be a little contrarian with it and. Um, you know, I, th- I think you, you know, it can treat you very well. And I think you can make lots of money and um, yeah, that's I, 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 why it's hard to be around me and not
0: talk about investing because it's just so exciting. <laughs> so Ryan, what was the inspiration for you to start your channel? A
1: few things,
0: a few things.
1: One, uh, I really thought I could become a better investor if I was teaching the material and found a community of people that wanted to talk about it with me. And I can definitely say there's correlation between that. I've become a better investor since doing it. Uh, I wanted to, I mean, that was, that was probably the biggest reason. You know, I went to college to become a teacher and that was like the biggest thing they talked about, like the best way to have your students learn something was to have them teach it to someone else. So, and anyone that listens to this, like I challenge you to, uh, to take something, you want to be great at something and show mastery of it, get to the level where you can teach someone else. It doesn't have to be investing can be anything. You know, it could be, Basketball it could be swimming, it could be you know fixing cars, it, it, whatever it is. Uh, so that was the biggest reason. And then second, obviously, I, I picked YouTuber. And I kind of got an inkling to do it because my my wife is a YouTuber. She's a very successful YouTuber. And uh,
0: do do you want you know, to like, plug her name in here so that viewers can also check out her channel too if they're interested? Sure,
1: sure. Her name's Jessica Giffen. She's recently like seventy one thousand subscribers or something.
0: Okay, so you guys yeah. are almost gonna get that plaque in the mail soon here once you reach 100k.
1: I'll be I'll be so happy for her because she's she's just she's awesome. She, she motivates me and I, she's just so good at her craft. And I can't even tell you like how you know you should chase whatever you want to do in life because it's crazy. Like you now I won't disclose exactly how much money she's making, but she's making way more than she was in, in her profession as being a paralegal and is so much more fulfilled and like it's just. It, it's so cool you know and doing something you love
0: so even the home decor niche right yeah
1: so something about YouTube I want to talk about it before but like she, the more you do the same kind of video over and over again for some reason the more YouTube loves you mm-hmm. and people will just re-watch the same video over and over again it's, inter- it's interesting to watch and I don't know and tell me if you if you've noticed this trend after this yeah like no
0: if, I have I've noticed that too I figure like if I make a video about dividend investing, I assume my viewers don't want to watch another video about dividend investing, but I've, I've noticed that if I tend to talk about the same topics, they actually do quite well. So has your wife also found a similar success with that?
1: Yeah. And it's almost where like, if you want to talk about something else, you have to do another channel <laughs> like, and the, the algorithm will follow you and all these things. And not that she does this, she really knows what she's doing and really digs deep into her craft and and probably like the Achilles heel on my channel is that I can't do the same video over and over again. I just, I can't, even though now I'm doing it in a sense because I really love the topic I'm talking about, but like, it won't always be this, you know? So she's really niched down into the core and just try to make a different mark on kind of redecorating. And actually we're talking about buying our next house uh, a lot, and because of her decorating the house is such a big thing. So if we just decorate another house, it's really cool. There's actually a castle for sale by me. Um, castle. It's it a really cool uh, Scottish style castle, and like this, it's really amazing the story behind. It. Like this homeless guy built it because he needed a house. It's an amazing house now. I,
0: I think the question everybody wants to know, Ryan, is does it have an economic moat around it?
1: <laughs> I think the YouTube video we bought a castle, we got like a million. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, I think, no, I'm serious. Uh, It might, you know, right now I'm not in buying the housing market. Housing is expensive right now. Yeah, And I have to execute the crypto market right now. Like it it needs, And because I'm actually not sitting on a bunch of cash right now either because, you know, I I put my chips out there for for this play. And uh, so, but I am, being forward-thinking, I'm thinking about I will be buying some real estate in the next year, and then also, uh, you know, I want to really plan for the, you know, the Bitcoin 2024. Having make that a really big move because I really feel like I could retire by 2026 by 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 having lots of capital to make on that move.
0: Wow! So your fire age is you're aiming for 37, best case scenario.
1: I think we all can retire that anyone.
0: Anyone.
1: And, and, uh, <laughs> like you can it's it's so abundantly clear after just staring at this market for for four or five years now like this is this is the move and um you know and a lot of that comes from me having to take profits from this market cycle and 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 really looking at the trend line when we bought up against it when people think well crypto's probably not gonna work out go all in at that time and not when i say all in i'm always a bit diversified but like I've, I've noticed for myself, if I'm high, when my higher conviction plays, if I, if I over-allocate, that seems to be the best move. And yeah. there's, a, there's an old Peter Lynch quote, you know, talk about diversifying. It can also equal diversification was the word that he used. But don't yeah. get me wrong, like, it comes with its dangers and you really have to be calculated and, and, and you have to accept that you could be wrong and have to deal with that.
0: I'll I'll tell you this, Ryan. I'm still probably not as bullish on crypto as you, but I think what I'm going to start doing now is every month I'm just going to dollar cost average into probably the, some of the more mainstream cryptocurrencies, and even <laughs> even if I'm even if you're a fraction of how bullish you are on cryptocurrency, that's still a great like long term outlook. I'll still be rewarded heavily with that investment.
1: Sure, but like again, by the time if the market cap gets Anywhere around seven trillion dollars, dollars, I will have so little cryptocurrency. Like I, I plan to get rid of. Like I'm, I'm overly diversified. Like I, I have in terms of. Well, I, I sometimes I made a video talking about it once, like the Kelly Criterion. But like you have to understand, like crypto is going to go up, and a coin like Ethereum, it, it'll drop by at least eighty percent from where it topped. So say if it goes to seven thousand like it's probably going to go back under 1,000.
0: Okay. And it's, to, and it's going
1: to, and it's going to go there for like three years and then it's going to go to like 40,000.
0: Oh, I see. So you're not, you're not necessarily trying to like buy and hold. You're trying to kind of, you're trying to get in and out. Is that what you're kind of trying to do?
1: Yeah. Cause it's going to be extremely painful.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I went through 2018 and I, and, and I saw, and also I watched 2013. It, uh it, and it's going to be so painful on the way down for people that are throwing money at it because you're right now buying the dip always works. Yeah, It always yeah. works. It always works. But eventually it, it, buying the dip works until it doesn't. And then what it's going to start doing is it's going to, it's going to top then it's going to fall 30%. Then it's going to go up 15. Like, Oh, it, there's another dip. It, where's the next one coming? Then it's going to fall further. And then it's going to be a falling knife and, uh, and it's going to be very painful. And, 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 and that's why I, I don't think crypto right now in the terms of the infancy of the market, it's so immature in the way it moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really have to have a really long term outlook. But for me, it's like, how could I turn down? I can't watch. Let's say if, if the market goes, I could have near like a half million dollars in crypto. like I can't watch that go back down to 50,000. That'd be way too painful for me.
0: Yeah, because um, if you know, if you don't mind sharing, like, what's kind of your percent breakdown between like crypto, stocks, and real estate right now?
1: Um, I'm about all right. So I'm I'm gonna throw numbers at the here. Uh, I have roughly three hundred thousand dollars into real estate. Um, in terms of equity, if I sold, like, that would be mine. Yeah, I have roughly let's say two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in crypto. And then I have another. I would say about that two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in stocks. So,
0: Ryan, are you are you a millionaire now? Almost. Almost. So uh, I,
1: you know, I could be, and I actually, I wrote that check to myself. But like, <laughs> it's really hard to value your value of your business. Like, so I can modestly say, like, what I think a, a small private business would sell based on earnings. Um, I'm getting dangerously close to that. I, I think I could probably say, like, I with a certain level of confidence. But like, but my goal, I wrote myself a check to cash July. 5th of 2022 I wrote this my net worth was under a hundred thousand um and I said in five years I'll be a millionaire and I like I don't want to jinx myself but like some <laughs> days it gets like it almost becomes real
0: Ryan, I guarantee you, your YouTube channel is going to blow up the moment that you can start using Millionaire reacts like in all of these levels, or a millionaire's opinion on cryptocurrency. yeah, a millionaire's opinion yeah. on Dogecoin.
1: That's crazy, yeah. That's uh, those, those videos did well for Graham. So.
0: <laughs> so, um, so you and uh, Jessica, are you guys kind of with your friends and family? Or are you guys kind of known as like the YouTube couple or the besting, uh, you know, couple power couple there? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so some some people, but but not really. Like, I don't know with COVID this whole last year, you know, we missed a lot of that. But you know, I'm kind of kind of a small crew too. Like, see the same people over and over again, and um, but you know, but some people have been. You know, when you first start crypto, and I, and I'm 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 sorry, when you first start YouTube, I'm kind of public, obviously public about it. Like, and and you and you keep your privacy, so like everyone around me knows I have a YouTube channel. And and some people thought like, oh, he's dumb and this that. <laughs> and and it was funny, I was I was at a wedding like like a month ago, and this one guy's like, Man, I thought that was like really lame that you're doing. But then he started buying Bitcoin. <laughs> <What? cash.
0: laughs> he just yeah, yeah.
1: said that to you. But he's like, But man, I've been investing in Bitcoin Cash, You've made me a bunch of money. <laughs> it's like I'm okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, you know, most people in terms of business though, it's actually created a lot of friendship and like you know, more respect in terms of you know, like I may have some knowledge of value that we can, you know, especially in like the entrepreneur world, you know, the idea of, I think everyone wants to make more money, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's given me a platform to, to build different term, uh kinds of friendships or conversations with with people that I used to maybe look up to more that had like large businesses that, you know, like called me, like lows of the pandemic, like asking my opinions on things, you know, so that was, uh, a pretty cool dynamic.
0: Yeah. I love like the community we he- have here on our finance, uh, YouTube community. It's like in real world, you're not going to be able to just talk to anybody about like, Hey, did you hear about Procter and Gamble increasing their dividend by 3% so, like, <laughs> in our small niche, like people they really love to talk about things like that? Like it's, you know, it encourages you, it keeps you motivated. Uh, and you know, it's, it's awesome to reach different financial milestones and, you know, whatever freedom that brings to each individual person. It's just great. That's what I love about this YouTube community.
1: Same here, man. And, you know, it's funny you talk about that. Like, so much of the investing uh, sentiment for the last year has gone into, like, uh, the EV hype, the SPAC hype, and now the crypto hype. And, um, and I remember before that, like, when PPCE started getting big, like, the market wasn't as crazy in nature as it is now. And people just really respected the dividend niche a little bit more. And those days will come back. And, uh, and and I and I really try to preach it to a lot of these people that like a lot of investors or these people that like, most people I deal with they like, want like the, the the big ride up. And uh, I I just think um, that's that's dangerous, like, especially if you have a lot of capital too. Like I've I befriended a lot, a lot of people in my neighborhood, you know, like you know have more money than me. And uh, people I'm like that.
0: People that got big inheritances, like, you know, money that they didn't necessarily work for too.
1: Yeah. Um, And those people I'm not as close with. Like some of the guys that have, you know, businesses they've done well with, I've really befriended. And they've done some really cool stuff. And I'm really talking them into like, like, dude, you got like this, you know, like millions here. Like this could be the X amount in dividends a year with like a modest 4% yield. And like, and, and it's, you know, when, and it's weird, like there was this chat going on. Uh, And I was saying, if you had $5 million and at a 4% yield, you can make 200 grand a year. And one of the guys was trying to tell me like, that's not enough money. I'm (laughs) like, bro, I could live on $30,000 a year in a bungalow in a tree. I can be happy. Like money doesn't necessarily make me happy. The idea of being free is, is what drives me.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure if we actually talked about what your full-time career, like I know you do more entrepreneurial stuff, right? With the, you're still doing the ice guys and providing. Yeah. uh ice to different like restaurants
1: and you always talk with ice the ice is a division that we, we grew okay um so we have three different uh brands that we provide services to hospitality so like what's becoming the mothership is uh the equipment dealership so we are a restaurant equipment dealership you want a restaurant cody you come to us we'll design it we'll put it in a cad we'll do the food mechanical, you know, the, all the equipment mechanicals, so you can give it to your contractor, and can build you a beautiful restaurant, we'll sell you all the equipment to the limit. Now, when you do that, and you get this big equipment bill, you like it for like $200,000, you are going to try to economize this, can I get a used piece here, can I finance some money here, can I rent this from you, yada, yada, so they, they build it down to, you know, you know make a smaller investment in terms of someone's going to depreciate a lot too, so uh, so one thing is we we rent the dishwasher and sell all the chemicals. Mm. And so they 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 we they wash their dishes, they use a lot of soap and clean the restaurant and they buy every week. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, revenue,
1: right? Right now, as we're speaking, dish machine doors are closing, and <laughs> we'll be back next week to bring more chemicals. It's it's a it's a great business. And but in return, if their machine breaks, we send out a technician and on Friday night with their pack and we fix their machine and they're happy. And then the other thing that people don't like to buy and they can get very expensive especially you have like a big restaurant and you want like a lavish ice uh bar business you want to have big rocks you want to have nugget cubes you want to have flakes for your oysters all this you get in the ice world that can turn into something but um you know people there was a there's a big company that we compete with uh, but they want to rent that too and it, it's it's a it took it's taken a lot of cash to build it out now the revenue's gotten you know pretty good but like and you know, the break even on the ice machines like eighteen months, if you will. So you're, we're taking a lot of those profits from selling equipment, and we're buying the ice machines and building more monthly cash flow. Yeah. So yeah. we have these different cash flow revenue you know areas, um, and you know between that we run a nice little business.
0: All right, that's crazy. You know, like up until you mentioned that, I never really even thought about like the infrastructure like that. Like if you think about it, every you know restaurant needs something like what you just described, but. People usually don't even think about that yet. It's a very profitable uh, business or industry, as you mentioned. It just kind of reminds me about, you know, I just made a video about Domino's pizza and a lot of people like they just overlook Domino's because, okay, yes, yeah, it's a <laughs> pizza business. Uh, and people are shocked to learn that Domino's pizza is on par with Amazon and total returns in the stock market since they IPO, IPO in uh, 2004. So yeah, I mean, uh, if you guys are going public, let us know and we'd <laughs> love to invest in so, you.
1: Have you ever come across Ecolab? Uh, it sounds uh, very they're, familiar. They're, they're they're publicly traded. They're a great stock. Bill Gates owns a bunch of, bunch of them. He's one of our biggest competitors in the hygiene world. So, the dishwasher, they have a big division and they're they're the the big gorilla that we compete with. Um so so they they're they're, they're out there. Equipment dealerships aren't really big and yeah, you know, it's still very mom and pop type business with the e-commerce thing on it and then uh yeah it's who, who knows you know we'll see if that like i think about like what's after i climb like this hill of financial independence like what's the next hill Like take a company public or do this yeah. or you know uh i don't know at the time being i'm very focused on financial freedom in 2026 when bitcoin goes crazy <laughs>
0: Ryan, anything that we can do to help destroy Bill Billy Gates, we're all for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dude, that's too crazy! What, what did What did you say in your last video?
0: Oh, that but I made it. the memes about him and his divorce. What?
1: What? what, 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 what I, tell me the joke again. Like, yeah, I can It was like
0: him, his wife, and uh, Jeff Bezos, his ex-wife. They're like the greatest investors of investors. all time. You know, I just don't understand, you know, like if you are a celebrity and this is for both men and and women, right? If you have a lot of money, I don't understand why you don't sign a prenup. Like the percent of these marriages working out is so low. I don't know why these people risk all that.
1: Yeah. But like, there, there could be different perceptions of it. Like, and let's say I'm able to gain like a substantial amount of wealth like on a fraction of what these guys can but like my wife was there from when like I was sleeping in a living room you know yeah like how could how does she not deserve half of it you know even if I like on some level in my opinion that's the way I feel about it
0: yeah I see what you're saying I guess for me it's more like okay like Kim and uh Kim Kardashian Kanye West I think they actually did get a prenup but both of them were very famous very wealthy even before like uh, getting married so like for them it, it, there's it's a no-brainer just to get the premium yeah. right, just to avoid that stuff I actually think Kim Kardashian is probably worth that whole family is probably worth more than Kanye Yeah. but um, we, we
1: were both really poor when we started so I think it's fair to <laughs> <laughs> we were equally poor <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Ryan I know um, I know you lived in Florida during this whole pandemic and you know we're not asking for your uh, necessarily political <laughs> endorsements here but we're just asking about what your thoughts on the current governor of uh, Florida, Ron DeSantis, being he's actually one of the favorites now to be running in 2024. So how do you think he handled the pandemic in Florida?
1: Uh, I wanted to kind of share something else, like a, a goal of mine, like personally, like I talked about this next hill I want to climb in life. And it kind of segues from this, because it's a little, it's a pretty political question. And like, like, I'm actually like, I t- touch on like, criticizing governments, if you will, in terms of like being Pro cryptocurrency and the way they treat uh, stuff like that, and um, so while you know I, I'm very grateful that like he didn't like bankrupt my business because like I had to watch my revenue drop ninety something percent from one week to the next and go a while without any income and you know have to come home and look at my kids every day and figure out like how am I you know like how bad is this going to get and like these people all rely on me like you know very stressful thing so the fact that like he was able to realize us as human beings being able to do things that our free individuals want to do, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think was a very low uh, bar for like a politician to recognize someone's uh, freedoms. But I wanted to add to that. So like a next goal I really have for myself and I haven't talked about it anywhere, and I'll talk about it here first, is that like like a true life goal of mine would be to denounce my citizenship and and, and no longer pay into the tax system and endorse any of these things any of these people do. So, like a, like a, so I need to get to a certain level of political, uh, sorry, financial freedom and have to say, I'm willing not to, to walk, I'll walk away from, uh, from Social Security, Medicare, all these things. I will be sufficient enough for myself. And there's actually movements from the crypto space to buy lots of land from governments that have like, you know, in countries that don't have you know, things there, and actually build new societies on And that are not based on coercion and messing with money supply and allowing people to operate in a voluntaristic way. So it's like a true life goal. So while, while he's a little bit better on some things than a lot of these other ones that were really bad on these things, it doesn't quite get me fired up in terms of just moving away from the political system entirely.
0: Wow, right. I don't think I've ever heard uh, somebody like have that particular stance or that goal in their life. I uh, I know in the Caribbean, I forget what the actual country is, you can buy like citizenship there for like 250k. Uh, and yeah, that's probably what you were talking about. Like if you if you have the economic need or means, you can kind of just start a whole new life there and probably try to, you know, bring your own philosophy or ide- ideologies there. Yeah. Or
1: just, or just try something new for civilization to do rather than you uh, know, and, and maybe my channel will get there. And, uh, and St. Kitts is pretty friendly. And in terms of if you, you actually, have, you just have to buy land there with like a heavy fee on top of it and then and you're done. And there's no more taxes after that. And um, and you're not endorsing a lot of the things that governments do and, you know, and and you can maybe build out societies that really work on cryptocurrency and, and and you know like i I talked a little bit in one video about being anti war and not wanting to feel the war machine, and a lot of things that using dollars and paying taxes you know do that maybe i don't I don't like you know <laughs> or or even if even if I did like it, why should I take someone else's money that may not like it either? you know like why do I have the right to to do that um
0: yeah i think I think if most Americans knew what our taxpayer money was actually going to be <laughs> as uh, willing to pay taxes. But no, that's uh, yeah, that's I I love the unique perspective you bring, Ryan. Um, and yeah, you know, definitely, uh, you know, these past couple of years, you know, I've always been uh, you know, trying to chase your shadow, and you know, you always inspire me to you know keep working hard in life, and you know, from the outside, you know, it seems like everything's going great for you, but you know, obviously, everything that you know we always portray here on YouTube and stuff isn't always, you know, how it is day to day, right? Like and like you mentioned earlier, like yeah, I think financially. We probably don't have many problems there, but like other aspects of life, you know, money isn't going to solve those issues. So, <laughs> uh, so that, yeah, like like you said, you're still kind of going through that, uh, you know, in the government, and that's uh, going to be something. No, that...
1: but it, it 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 doesn't haunt me in a way, in a sense. Like, but it's and I may not achieve this goal, but like one of the big reasons to to want a fire is to have the ability to to do something like that. And and I've talked to some other people about it that would be interested in it. But the older people get, they're like, wow, like how much like social security money am, am I willing to give up? Like how much Medicare? Like you're like you're you're pulled so deep into this, it's like, you know, like it's a very tough decision to make. And um and, and maybe I don't do it, you know, but but that's something that we're it, it look, it doesn't necessarily I'm so grateful for so many things and, and like this would be like a cool frontier where I'd I want to just like lead by example example and show people like we can we can do things differently like I think it's almost from a like human perspective like the next step in uh, evolution showing that we can operate in voluntary ways and uh, and, and not you know you and again I don't want to get too deep into all like the specific reasons but uh but there's I really would like to see peaceful human cooperation in a voluntary way and and um, and I think that would bring out the best in humanity in my opinion that could be wrong and look we get one life and we can yep. you know, chase our crazy dreams and, 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 and try to do interesting things and maybe fail, maybe do well. Who knows?
0: Hey, you know, you know, people, people, when I say that I want to retire by 40, they look at me like I'm crazy. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> extremely grateful for like every, you know, I'm not saying what I said there to complain per se, but like, I'm, I'm so grateful. I just feel like there's opportunities in life to, to, to leave your mark on it. And 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 chase other frontiers that's what i'm saying like and i think it's like the most actually american thing to do would be to denounce your citizenship because that's how we founded our country we denounced our citizenship from great britain Uh, so i think it's a very american thing to do it's actually gotten so popular it used to be free to do but now it costs almost five thousand dollars per person to denounce Mm. um because if they can't find enough ways to tax you they will find a way (laughs) uh (laughs) i just hope i can pay in the cryptocurrency
0: yeah, you know, I mean, I guess the only reason why I would be somewhat reluctant to do that is obviously like, you know, there's just so many people in this planet that would like just give anything to be in America. Right. And then, uh, sure. and obviously, like I, I don't have any kids, but you know, if I did one day have kids, like, you know, and I know my parents, like I'm, I'm an immigrant too. Like my parents worked really hard to get here and, you know, I wouldn't want to potentially jeopardize their chances of being able to live in America, but uh, what you're describing is a, a a totally different type of freedom uh i guess just it just depends on the perspective yeah
1: it, it's it's certainly better than most here, and we should be grateful for that but but we we shouldn't also just uh not still try to do better and uh and like I said again, this is better than North Korea and Cuba where <laughs> my family escaped from absolutely uh and, and it's it's better in so many ways I just think it's uh i, I just think, look in, I, and like again, I'm grateful for like I've had so many fortunate things happen in my life. Uh, growing up with a good family, to uh, meeting my wife and having my beautiful children, and um, it's just uh, like that. That's something that is uh like something I never shared before. When I saw that that question about the Santas, uh, that I wanted to at least share that because, like, I may actually vote for him, and I never really, I never really vote Republican or Democrat um but like and I would be tempted with him but but a lot of times and I just can't get jazzed up in the two-party system I guess overall <laughs> but um but I am grateful that I was here versus not and um, because I you know a lot of people went, went bankrupt and it was and I know and I, I felt the worst of the, the the worst parts of the shutdown because we were shut down for a few months it was, it was very difficult to survive
0: I mean, it'll just be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, uh, you know, I feel like politics, I feel like it doesn't have that big of an impact on the stock market. But I mean, it's always hyped up in the media that it's uh, this is gonna, you know, destroy the next generation or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in 2022, 2024. And, um, you know, whoever runs. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, obviously, you weren't able to vote in the year 2000 but i'm sure you were i'm sure you have memories of the 2000 yeah. Florida, the, hang, the hanging chab yeah <laughs> that was um, yeah,
1: yeah florida's uh, how, how do you guys view florida when you're not there with all these crazy people down here i feel like there's always florida man stories and
0: yeah. yeah me and my brother like back when uh, we would always just share yahoo articles back when they reported like actually funny news <laughs> would, oh, like anytime there was a bizarre story we didn't even have to check it was always the person was from Florida <laughs> it was always For like was insane but yeah now I think like yeah there's obviously the Florida stories uh there, I just read this one story that like a mom and her uh a, she had a student that went to school at this particular high school and the two of them like rigged some sort of homecoming election and now they're both facing like felony charges like 16 years oh, in yeah. prison I was like, wow! Of course, this happened in Florida. <laughs> like,
1: I'm for fucking... rigging a homecoming election?
0: Yeah, because her her mom apparently worked at like the school district, and she was able to get into like the school like databases and start changing stuff, which I guess you know is highly illegal. Sixteen
1: years in prison is justice.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> know these laws, man. But yeah, Florida, That's and true. then obviously, yeah, well, obviously, like tourism, uh Super Bowl seems to be played there every year. Yeah, uh, football, NASCAR is huge there.
1: I would miss I would miss living in Florida. I I have really enjoyed it. It's a beautiful state. Uh it's in the it has made a very pro business. Uh real estate does really well down here. Uh it's it's definitely a great place. And you know, like I said, if I were to announce, um, it it still would take a lot of selling to my wife, you know. So I'm not quite there. She's not against the idea, but um, uh, but she has certain livable needs above mine that i need to be happy <laughs>
0: now i'll I'll add that uh one of my life goals too is also to become a snowbird because you know these midwest winters are slowly killing me <laughs> uh, so yeah i'm still looking at like where that place might be i've heard good things about florida about arizona could also do like if you live like six months and one day in like florida i think you become like a florida resident and you don't have to pay like the income taxes at least for part of the year so it might be something i want to do later yeah
1: on. I don't get like where does that state income tax go for you guys? Like we still
0: have like municipalities
1: and roads and like it,
0: <laughs> it goes straight into the politicians' <laughs> pocket. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I know here we have a huge like pension crisis, so like they give too much guaranteed money to like uh, <coughs> public officials and uh, people that work for the state. So I think yeah, pensions are probably outdated nowadays when people are living a lot longer than they did back from back in the day.
1: Just, just build yourself enough dividends
0: <laughs> but I'm, that's what I'm trying to do man like I feel like the first time I learned about what dividends were like a huge just light bulb went off in my head I was like so if I just start collecting enough of these shares never have to clock into work again
1: <laughs> it, it, it is amazing I remember like trying to figure out how to get yield from like a cd or a high interest checking account it's like i you getting know, like nothing and then like Remember the first one I sold, like, at ATT, like everyone can understand AT&T, he's got to pay that bill every month, like 7%, like that's insane. Uh, like, of course, you learn there's a lot more to it. Uh, but yeah, a, a dividend is uh, an awesome thing. And something uh, real quick, you know, we am probably going to wrap up soon, but uh, Blood Phantom 81 brought up something I found pretty interesting. And if you can do it in some great companies is that what's maybe actually even better than a dividend is uh, is selling a covered call because uh when 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 money is distributed from the company, that is lost value, you know. Yeah. So so you could but when you sell a call, you still drip money out of the asset. But the if it's if it's not paying a dividend, they can still grow it, you know. What do you think about that? They can grow it faster at least, I should say.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of what you're talking about. Is that somewhat similar to the irrelevant dividend theory, or is this is like something totally different no
1: i i i'm a big believer in dividends and, okay. and i like that but like i just like i i like my goal now like in great companies is very difficult right now i'm doing it in like not so good companies but like with spax crashing like i have about like 100 shares of like Tattoo chef highly uh what, what uh ipo yeah bfi palantir yeah and companies that i think like could like you know you know bump up but like, yeah, and, and selling calls on them and like further, not getting greedy with it, not trying to sell too close to money. Right. Um, but like if you could do that with like Facebook or like Tesla and you know, like like big companies like that, imagine like Amazon stock splitting and then doing that with Amazon, like that'd be amazing.
0: Yeah, that's definitely an intriguing option. I just know like, you know, there's these companies like Google, uh Apple Ooh, that, yeah. that just have so much money on their books, right? Like that's just kind of sitting there. like at some point like these companies should just reward shareholders and just give even a fraction of it out to investors but i guess they're just (laughs) just waiting for the next opportunity and that's how they get so big you know (laughs) google apple um but yeah no i mean blood blood alex blood phantom 81 yeah i gotta have him on the next uh collect cash podcast uh, he's only a few years older than me. I think he's one or two years older than me. And his portfolio is at like almost $400,000. So that guy's definitely going to reach fire at like a very young
1: age. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's awesome, man, is meeting you guys. And, uh, and also like you, you guys are just so much smarter than I was at your ages. Like, uh, like I, like I don't envy it in a way, but I admire it for sure. Like I, I just, my, my, I was so much more lost than than you guys are.
0: Yeah I mean hey, we learned from the best like you and I think when I, I feel like I learned everything I know from YouTube like even though I went to college for like a business related degree it's it was all from like YouTube so I don't know if yeah you, I feel like the finance YouTube niche really didn't start emerging until like 2016 for the most part.
1: Who, who brought you in? So what, I think what, what?
0: some of the first ones I saw were like Ryan Scribner uh some of the early Nate O'Brien you know did you know Nate O'Brien's actually even younger than I am I don't know him (laughs) you don't know Nate O'Brien I I feel like I should I I guarantee if you saw his face because he he always has like his face in the thumbnails he probably has like probably like half a million subs uh oh
1: really yeah he, he I'm gonna look him up
0: yeah, no, he's pretty big in this. He's kind of like with the Grams, Stephens, financial education, Jeremy and, you know, Andre. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd say like the first people I saw were like Graham Stephen. I saw his video, like how he became a millionaire at the age of 26 through real estate. So that one kind of got me pretty inspired. Uh, yeah, I used to watch like Ryan Scribner because a lot of his earlier content was like just kind of the basics of investing. So I feel
1: like he's he's kind of, fallen off a little bit would you say
0: yeah you know he actually moved to miami florida to vo- to avoid those new york taxes oh wow yeah, I, I, he, you know i
1: think he was actually from where i went to college too in new york there yeah he's from upstate
0: street. yeah but no I, I still watch his content from time to time it's just on some it's not necessarily more like tutorial content anymore it's more like you know probably like uh intermediate
1: was trending kind
0: of. yeah <laughs> no but i mean it's a great community and lots of different people to learn from here anything else you want to talk about ryan
1: oh uh, man I, I i hope i didn't drop too much of a bomb and seem too much like an outlier for certain people uh if, if i do i don't mean an offense to anyone I, I i just think people should uh consider new ideas and challenge perspectives and and just um you know i i, I try to you know like bang against the walls of what is conformed i've, I've always kind of at least since like high school like that early age like i wanted to find ways to challenge the status quo and uh i think that's what makes life interesting to me and uh and i'm not always right in, in the way i i say and do things but uh but yeah i, I really enjoyed having you know, have me on cody and uh, i look forward to uh to, to continuing you know growing our channels and And, uh, you know, if you ever come down to Florida, you got a place to stay. Maybe (laughs) we can uh, observe some Florida man crazy stories or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that'd be great, Ryan. I really do appreciate you being on here. Um, And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you again on here as well. Hopefully it's not just a one-time thing.